Right, welcome to the Friday edition of the Third Down Conversion Podcast. I'm joined now by my good buddy, longtime friend, Patrick Walker. You know him as Voice of the Star. Man, we go way back, man. It feels like forever ago since we were writing for my Draft Cowboys website. It was me, you, and Cammy, and had John owning in the mix. Man, it, it feels like forever since that was going on. Hey, man. Uh, it, it definitely has been, uh, or so it feels like it. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it really was just yesterday, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I'm proud of, of everyone who was once involved in uh, and, and draft cowboys and, and seeing how everyone has been able to to level up and, and remain committed to what they're doing and and just to see the the recognition that's finally coming for you know um, writing talent like what we had there you know because it's 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 difficult enough to to level up in this industry but it's made that much more difficult when you're actually trying to be credible because that's not the thing to be nowadays for whatever reason so you know here we are not telling our souls but doing it the right way god i sounded like jason garrett didn't I? oh my hey. god change me mike mccarthy change me change my ways oh I man just said doing it the right way change my ways mike <laughs> oh man uh, i was waiting for some process talk coming out uh it was i was wondering where you're going with that one no, oh, no, listen, yesterday I had a, uh, I was on a conference call and the first thing I said, I lied enough, first thing I said was, how we doing, fellas? And I, <laughs> and I had to laugh at myself. I was like, God, this guy's got me Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, but yeah, Cowboys, are, you know, they're off of the Jason Garrett um, train finally and on to Mike McCarthy. And as we've seen, McCarthy's imprint has definitely been uh, all over the Cowboys this offseason. So good, good times right now in Dallas. Yeah, man. So let's you know, dive into that a little bit. You know, some of the things that McCarthy is is changed, and you know, it's something that I, I think me and you've talked a lot about over the years, where we're we're sitting there and we're like, they got to take the best player available, right? And it's like, you know, we've heard McCarthy talk about, uh, you know, get me good football players and I'll build a scheme around them. Which we, as we all know, we were, you know, over the years of watching Garrett and Marinelli and Linehan, the way they operate, it's like they would take these players and say, you have to fit this scheme. You have to play this way. And, you know, it just feels like it's refreshing to see them actually go out and say, let's get the best seven draft picks. Let's get the best seven players. And then we'll figure out what we're doing after that. And, and you know, the timing of it all is it, it's such a bad look for Jason Garrett and Rob Marinelli. And, and what I mean by that is we're having this conversation, and, you know, one day, after the Miami Dolphins released Taco Charlton, who they, you know, traded with the Cowboys to land in 2019. And obviously Charlton is the former first round pick in 2017 of the Cowboys much maligned because they passed on TJ Watt to get Taco Charlton. And guess what? TJ Watt is a, uh, a pro bowler and all pro and the Steelers just exercised his fifth year option. So he, he hit the ground running in his rookie season and he's off to a, a career arc that's so far, um, at least equivalent or similar to Big Brother JJ down in Houston. So you look at a move like Taco Charlton, and then obviously the, the jury is still out on what will happen in Tristan Hill, but Tristan Hill was, again, a pick of Rob Marinelli, um, wherein the Cowboys conceded to trying to draft and sign players based on scheme versus who is the best guy out there that we need to go and get. It took Mike McCarthy – 
all of five minutes to come into Dallas. And and look at what we're looking at now. You talk about free agency. You're talking about Don Terry Poe. Uh, that's not a guy. And even Stephen Jones admitted it. That's not a guy that the Cowboys would have gone after uh, under Rod Marinelli and Jason Garrett. Gerald McCoy, I don't think that Gerald McCoy is here uh, either. Definitely not taking a risk on someone like Alden Smith. And that's not a knock to Smith. That's simply to say uh, Jim Tomsula being here uh, in conjunction with Mike McCarthy having met with uh, Alden Smith. Those two guys, Tomsula and McCarthy, they're the reason that Alden Smith is here. So if Alden Smith pans out in a big way, you can thank McCarthy for that. You can thank Tomsula for that. And the list goes on and on all the way up to, and haha, Clinton Dix, obviously. Uh, that's another McCarthy move. The safety position has been vastly overlooked and undervalued by the Cowboys in the past several seasons. Now look what they do. They swap out Jeff Heath, who you and I are both fans of. So mm -hmm. let's put that out there. We we are fans of Jeff Heath. We think Jeff Heath was completely underappreciated in Dallas. Uh, that said, he was not necessarily a starting safety. Fantastic backup who could step in and, and make plays. He's a special teams ace, but they still needed an upgrade. I think that if Clinton Dix can reach his prime like he did when he played for McCarthy in Green Bay, that's an upgrade. They might actually move to Obia Wuzier, I'm hearing, that they actually will, but we'll see how that pans out. They can uh, To safety, they can try Reggie Robinson, the rookie, uh, at safety, so they have some options there. So what we're seeing between free agency, the draft, you, you have CeeDee Lamb staring you in the face. No one's going to convince me that if Jason Garrett was still this team's head coach uh, and Rob Marinelli was still uh, the defensive coordinator, that if CeeDee Lamb was staring them in the face at 17, that they still wouldn't have gone with Kalevon Chason. Now, I wouldn't have been mad at them for going with Chason. Not in the least. Not in the least. However, I also gave them an, a, a literal applause when they went with Lamb because I wasn't expecting it, nor were you, nor were anyone, nor was, nor was anybody. Um, so look at the picks. Look at Lamb. That's a, that's a BPA, right? You got your BPA, and then what did McCarthy say after they got Lamb? He said, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure this defense thing out in the next few rounds. That was exactly what we needed to hear. And then guess what happened? That, he figured it out. Trayvon yeah. Diggs, Neville Gallimore. Uh, which is my Doberman, right? Uh, we talked about Reggie Robertson, uh, Robinson, I'm sorry, and then they get a, a, which could be the steal of the draft, which is crazy because they have so many potential steals, Bradley and I. I think those who don't know about Bradley and I need to learn about him um, because that guy is dangerous. <laughs> yes, yes you know, that was one of my guys, you know, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, that, that Bradley, was one of your pet cats. <laughs> I was like, can I get him in the fourth? Can I get him in the fifth? And then and then he's sitting there in the sixth round, and I'm like, oh, please, for the love of God, get me Bradley and I. I mean, you talk about this team, obviously they, they lost Robert Quinn, so they lost their top sack guy from a season ago. Uh, and and you, when you watch him play, and, and, you know, a lot of people got so, you know, they were just tunnel visioned on his 40 time. And I said, forget the time. The guy could play. Like, he goes into every rep. He goes into it with a plan. He knows how to attack offensive tackles. He knows how to set the edge. I'm like, just get that guy on the field and let him work. And with like we've talked about Jim Tom Sula, let that man get his hands on Bradley and I and let him work. Oh, absolutely. And then another thing is when it comes to an eye, um, this is a, a guy, and I love what Stephen Jones said. Uh, I'm sorry, I love what Will McClay said. Uh, Will McClay said, you know, a lot of, scouts and a lot of teams make mistakes at the quote-unquote underwear olympics he was talking about the, the nfl combine and he said that one of the reasons or well, he alluded to one of the reasons anai having fallen 
so far is because teams were scared off by his 40 time. But then he mentioned a player like Terrell Suggs. Now, are we saying Anai will end up being a Hall of Famer like Suggs? No, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is if you if you compare it side by side in that particular time frame, combine numbers to combine numbers, then you could see Will McClay's point. And then you throw on the film. I don't I don't see how anyone could watch the film on Bradley and I and not be floored. I don't mean simply impressed. I mean floored. His motor is absolutely fantastic. You want a dog on defense, he's the whole kennel, right? He's yeah. uh, uber physical. Uh, he plays angry. He plays like he, he wants the world to explode. And it's that type of quick quick twitch play, uh, great play recognition, pre-snap. He's able to, to you know rush downhill, uh, obviously off of the edge, but also has the athleticism to drop back in coverage. Yeah. Uh, that. It reminds me, and I'm I'm just going to say it, if you look at his film and his ability to do both of those things, it reminds me of a DeMarcus Ware. Um, and you look at DeMarcus Ware's ability to rush off of the edge, but then on a, on a dime, on the next play, drop back in coverage and get a PBU or an interception. So I'm not saying Anai is DeMarcus Ware, but that's a similar skill set. That's kind of what I see flashes of when I'm watching Anai's film. To be able to get a guy like that in the fifth round with the 179th overall pick, and for him to possibly not even be the best steal of the draft, because you got someone like Neville Gallimore at 82, you got Trevon Diggs at 51, you got C.D. Lamb at 17, you convinced uh, the Philadelphia Eagles to chew off their own arm and let you move up uh, into the, uh, you know, to get Tyler Beattis, which could be the successor to Travis Frederick, um, and help stop the same Eagles team that just allowed you to do it. It's, it's an absolute coup, and these are moves. In, in the draft and free agency that you just simply would not have seen with the more conservative, scheme-minded Jason Garrett era. Mike McCarthy has come in, and for those who were wondering and predicted, wrongfully so, uh, that, oh, well, Jerry Jones is not going to let McCarthy um, have any influence. It's still Jerry's show, dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera, yawn, yawn, insert Zs here. Uh, McCarthy has shown quite the contrary. Will McClay has now said it several times. He said he jumped up and down after his first conversation with Mike McCarthy. But this is a grown man telling you that he jumped up and down. This is not just a grown man. It's Will McClay. This is Will McClay, right, one of the best scouting minds in the NFL. He's sitting here telling you that, hey, I, basically what he's saying is, hey, the only guy I've known as far as head coaching is concerned, more or less, is Jason Garrett, uh, based on when McClay came to Dallas, when he arrived in Dallas. So this is his first real opportunity at seeing and, and working with another coach. And when Mike McCarthy said players over scheme, McClay said he, he jumped up and down. And now guess what? Those two are fast friends. So yep. this is not anomalous. What we're seeing in this offseason, it's not exclusive to this offseason. It's not one of those things where, oh, well, they're off to the races. We'll see how next offseason works. No, this is pretty much going to be a thing. So get used to it. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the conversations I've had with people, um, you know, behind closed doors and, and people who work for the Cowboys. They, they've said that there's a sense of energy, um, you know, and a sense of excitement that they haven't seen in some time. Uh, the, I wanted to go back on Bradley and I, though. Obviously, you know, that's one of my guys. Um, you know, it's something that he said that actually got me more pumped uh, than anything I saw on film, than anything that I've heard elsewhere. When they asked him about his sacks at, Utah and you know the 30 sacks that he compiled over his career and he said he was more proud of the work it took to get there than the actual number and that got me pumped because that's a guy that likes to work 
you know, so you know that he's going to get in here. He's going to, you know, put in the work to be better, to get better, to be one of those guys who you can count on, play in and play out. You know, and I, I just think that speaks volumes about not only are they going to get these guys who can perform and these guys who are viewed as steals, but you got to love their work ethic, their character. Uh, you know, those are, you know, they may be dogs on the field, but they're high character guys. Absolutely. And, and you bring up an excellent point when it comes to Anai and, and his love for the work that goes into it. And the same goes for someone like Gallimore and, and these other draft picks as well. But speaking specifically when it comes to Anai, um, it, in that aspect, you could actually call him the anti-Taco, right? Um, because one of the main reasons that Taco Charlton is no longer in Dallas because he didn't pan out was because of uh, issues with his attitude and his work ethic or lack thereof. And here you got a guy like Anai, who's not a first-round pick by any stretch of the imagination, but had he run a 4-5 at the combine, he would have been uh, you know, late first, early second. So he has that kind of talent. Um, but uh, guys like Anai, guys like Gallimore, they, those are the anti-Taco Charlton. Those are the guys who relish in the ability or relish in the opportunity, I should say, to prepare to be great and not simply the greatness itself. So that's fantastic. So what's the opposite of a taco? Is it quesadilla? I don't know. But that's what these guys are, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so they're ready to come in and, and get to work. Um, and even the undrafted guys, like, you know, I had a conversation which will be up here shortly um, with Rondell Carter out of James Madison. Uh, and one thing that stuck out uh, in a major way when I was talking to him is process. And, you know, we, I know that word is, is carries a negative connotation because of Jason Garrett, but that aside, that's bad. The fact that, yeah, you know, can't get away from it. <laughs> it's like saying two lemonade conversation, but the fact that um, the more I asked and kind of probed, uh, someone like Rondell Carter, and I asked him, hey, so what sets you apart from, from everyone else? Uh, he could have easily, you know, just said, hey, yeah, I had 12 sacks last year, right? Um, I had 27 tackles for a loss, but that wasn't his focus. Like, I brought up those numbers, but that's not what he, that's not what he was angling for. What he kept harping on was the, the process and, and explaining, you know, the work that it took for him to pop off at James Madison and how he had to slim down and get back to a, a weight that uh, allowed him to play the way he wanted to play. And it showed on the field and, and ready to come in and learn from Thompson and Nolan and McCarthy and, and constantly saying he's coachable. And, and these are guys that the Cowboys are going to love a uh, nine Carter, Gallimore, Diggs, even lamb. You, you know, you look at lamb from a wide receiver standpoint, Typically, wide receivers carry the the stigma of being a diva. I've I don't see that with Lamb. Uh, I I've not seen it in how he's carried himself in his time with the Sooners. I've not seen it in film. Uh, I think he's a, a a very humble kid who is ready to come in and, and ball. And then someone like Trayvon Diggs, obviously, uh, you know, he got the game from Stefan, right? As yep. far as how to handle himself on a professional level, and at Trayvon Diggs. He, coming from a, a big SEC program like Alabama, he had to work his way up um, and to get to the big stage. And now that he's played on the big stage, he's ready to play on the bigger stage. So just front to back, these guys, I, I don't see any pick um, or any signing or combination of the two that I have big questions about. I'm just more anxious to see or to get this thing underway so we can see who's going to rise to the top. I'll continue my conversation with Patrick Walker right after this. 
Yeah, when you talk about Diggs, you know, another one of those guys that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, it's My not only – yeah, pet cat, man. It's not only that it's not only the work that he had to put in, but the fact that he had to he switched positions. Right. And, and then continue to work his way up there. And and when you watch him play, and you know it's something I shared with you, like when I wrote about him, I said when he goes up for an interception, you can't tell me that's any different than Stefan Diggs. I mean, just the way that he attacks the ball in the air, that brings excitement. You talk about Reggie Robinson's the same way they attack. Um I'm excited about C.D. Lamb, obviously. Uh, as we saw on draft night, he showed off his best hands in the game, uh, snatching that phone back. But, you know, I'm excited <laughs> about it. And, and the thing about, you know, Diggs, you bring up an excellent point. I'm glad you brought it up because I, I mentioned it on Twitter, but I, I want to expound upon it here. Um, as uh, someone who played both positions, speaking of myself, I, I played cornerback and wide receiver, primarily first as a wide receiver, but then uh, my coaches wanted to uh, me to utilize my speed as a, a cornerback as well, kind of helping out on those on those uh, deep routes and, and things like that. Looking at Trayvon Diggs' film, I was having flashbacks. Now, obviously, he's better at it than I was. Otherwise, I'd be in the NFL with him, right, <laughs> as opposed to simply covering it. But there's a, a uniqueness that comes with a guy having converted from wide receiver to cornerback that doesn't exist in in a player who's been a defensive back his entire football career when you come from a wide receiver background and you switch over once you get the fundamentals and the techniques down to make yourself uh, an elite cornerback now you have that but also the uh, ability to get in the mind of both the quarterback and the opposing wide receiver because now you know a lot of the routes. If you can identify the route that's about to be ran, you can beat the receiver to the route. You can beat him to the spot. What you see when you're watching Trevon Diggs' film is that when that ball is in the air, he turns into a wide receiver. He doesn't remember what jersey he has on. All he sees is a ball in the air, and suddenly he's a wide out. And that's how he attacks the ball. That's why he's able to get the takeaways that he gets. And, and that's one, one of the reasons that he said definitively after the draft that, hey, I, I'm not looking for PBUs. I'm looking for interceptions. And that's because as a, a, as, as a default, he's looking for receptions, if that makes sense. So in his mind, he's looking for receptions on the wide receiver part of his brain when the ball is in the air. But, you know, the the beauty of Diggs is before the ball is even in the air, he's already familiar with routes in ways that other defensive backs are not. So that was one of the reasons I mocked Diggs to the Cowboys. The other being he's long, he's super physical, uh, he's a terror to try to complete a slant or a fade route against in the red zone. So if the Cowboys have truly upgraded their safety position, I know it's still a work in progress, but if that comes to fruition – and up front, if everything goes as planned with Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, Gavel Nella, uh, I'm sorry, Neville Gallimore, um, uh, Alden Smith, Randy Gregory, Tyrone Crawford coming back from injury, so forth and so on. So now you have this pass rush that has the ability to be elite. You potentially have an upgraded safety unit. That allows Trevon Diggs to operate at the second level primarily. And you're not asking him to chase a wide receiver, you know, 60 yards down the field, which admittedly could be a liability for him. If you protect him on the back end, he's going to be an absolute monster at the second level, and I can't wait to see him get uh, get things going here in Dallas. 
Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I shared a, a video of some of the things that Trevon Diggs does, and there's there's one play where he's running down the field, and you can't tell me who's running the route because he's exactly. you know he's coming in front of the wide receiver and he's doing it. <laughs> and, you know, like, you got to look at his jersey. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. It's because you know that's it's something that you know we take for granted, or you know when we watch other teams, or like you see the teams that are creating turnovers, and you know as Cowboy fans, I mean I know we're writers too, but as Cowboy fans, we're sitting like, man, that must be awesome to have a guy who can take the ball away at any given moment, and you know those are some of the things that they've got to address, and and you know I want to dive in a little bit real quick about about the safety position. What do you think the best option is? Uh, you know, putting the two young guys on the outside, uh, whether it's, you know, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, you can have your fight over that. Uh, <laughs> as far as he's playing nickel, shout out to to Jeff. <laughs> and, uh, um, like, who do you think is going to play safety? Do you think it's going to be a, a combination of guys or do you think they're going to put a Wuzier out there? I, I think it's going to be a combination of guys. And I think ultimately it will include a Wuzier. Uh, I, uh, I, think that a Wuzier is a great defensive back that has the potential to be an elite defensive back. But the question is, can he achieve that potential at cornerback versus safety? Obviously, he spent some time at safety at the University of Colorado, so he has the ability to flex. But one of the reasons that he um, regressed in his second year, uh, or I should say last year, rather, um, versus the year prior was because he had trouble getting his head around, constantly had trouble getting his head around. Uh, and that created a lot of issues for him. And it's not that he wasn't on the receiver, because if you go back and look at his film, oftentimes he was blanketing the receiver. Yeah. like He was all over the guy, right? But had he simply turned his head around, maybe that's an interception, and, and maybe that's not a flag. So let's try turning him face forward. Let's put him at the safety position in camp. Let's see how he performs face forward. We know he covers very well. We know he's not afraid to hit because Chidobe Awuzie will absolutely break out the whooping stick on a tackle. Um, but if the issue simply is him not being able to get his head around consistently, turn it around for him. Put him at safety. Let him compete with someone like Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, because, again, Clinton Dix is on a one-year deal himself, so he has a lot to prove. We're not going to sit here and pretend that Clinton Dix is on a you know three- or four-year situation. Chidobe Awuzie, guess what? He's on a one-year deal by virtue of it being a contract year. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, he's on a one-year deal. Let them let them battle it out. Let them work it out. Um, Xavier Woods. And as far as Xavier Woods is concerned, that's that's still the dude. I don't think that anybody needs to be competing. Well, let me let me rephrase. Let me say it this way. Competition is absolutely healthy. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. But if we're being real, if we're being real, Xavier Woods, it, of everyone that's on this, this rotation right now, Xavier Woods is the only one you can point at and say that guy is, that guy is going to be a starting safety for the Cowboys in 2020. You don't know that yet about Clinton Dix because he struggled with his past couple of teams. I know, played with the Redskins. I struggled with the Redskins too because, you know, who wants to play for a team that keeps losing, right? Yeah. Um, and then you look at Chidobe Awuzie, we're talking about possibly converting him um, to safety, but that conversion requires time. You have to test drive that. You have to see how, how you know, it works when you get that, that Ferrari on the open road. And if it doesn't work, then, yeah, Clinton Dix is going to be the safety opposite. Xavier Woods. But again, when it comes to Xavier Woods, yeah, looking at the roster right now, it's, it's competition is healthy. 
I don't think there's anyone on the roster that's competing with Xavier Woods for the seat that Woods is in right now. But you can't say that for Clinton Dix and, and Awuzier, obviously. Uh, outside of Xavier Woods, there's going to be a, a lot of movement in that Cowboy, in this Cowboys secondary. Ideally, I would put Trayvon Diggs, obviously, as CB1. Possibility of Reggie Robinson uh, playing opposite hash at CB2. And again, everyone can go back and forth on who they believe in, whether it be Anthony Brown or Jordan Lewis. And I, for one, think Anthony Brown is a great uh, cornerback. I just think Jordan Lewis is better. That's my take on it. Um, But it's going to be a lot of movement there. And another exciting thing to watch, because you look at, we're talking about players over scheme. McCarthy's coming in, Nolan's coming in, and he's saying, and they're basically saying, hey, look at the pieces that we have. Who's better where? As opposed to saying, oh, well, you know, this guy has been playing this position, so let's just keep him there. Like, that's not what's happening right now. They're they're yeah. really trying to put everybody in the best position to succeed. Yeah, the defense, uh, it feels like it's on the on the up. The arrow's pointing up for them uh, as far as, you know, how everything's going to fall. Um, you know, there could be questions at linebacker, obviously, who's playing Mike, who's who's playing outside. Um, offensively, though, uh, how excited are you to see how this offense kind of looks, especially, you know, Kellen Moore's second year? Um, you know, they the reports were out that him and, and Mike McCarthy were already working on new wrinkles with the addition of C.D. Lamb. Uh, the guy that I'm most interested to watch this year, too, guys, I should really say, is I want to see how they use Blake Jarwin, and I want to see how they use Tony Pollard in kind of a, you know, maybe getting him and Zeke on the field at the same time, one of them out of the slot. You know, just some things that, Finally. you know, r- you know wrinkles that they can put for this offense to take off. I think, and I love that you brought up Blake Jarwin because um, that's that's going to be key as far as helping to take pressure off of the wide receivers. Now, I say that kind of with a smirk because look at the wide receivers we're talking about. We're talking about Amari Cooper, who doesn't need any help getting separation. We're talking about Michael Gallup, who doesn't need any help attacking and high-pointing the ball. We're talking about CeeDee Lamb, who needs absolutely no help with getting yards after the catch, right? Um, But it, it always, one hand always has to wash the other. So, now that they finally ended the bromance with Jason Witten, whom we all love. We all love Witten. Uh, he's a Dallas Cowboy for life. Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the best to ever suit up in Dallas. However, Father Time is undefeated. Blake Jarwin being named starter is not only the right move, but it's a year overdue. Uh, more athletic can stretch the field down the seam, as we saw with those three touchdowns he got in Week 17. Uh, of the 2018 season, it's time for Blake Jarwin to shine. And I love that they brought in Blake Bell as well, um, you know, the the bell dozer, as he's so lovingly referred to, because that provides the needed blocking aspect. So you're not asking Blake Jarwin to be uh, the definitive blocker there. You just let him go out and, and ball and be an athletic guy. Um, so I named Blake Jarwin, but also Tony Pollard. Uh, those two guys I have as two of, I believe, three or four guys, I believe, can break out in 2020. Tony Pollard, I think you're going to see more sets, as you mentioned, that include him and Ezekiel Elliott. It'll be interesting to see how they work it out now because you have CeeDee Lamb on the roster. You're going to have to get him his his targets as well. Um, but I don't think that's going to, <clears throat> excuse me, be a complete uh, um, demerit to what's going to happen with Tony Pollard. I think they're going to utilize Pollard more than they did in 2019, which is the smart thing to do as opposed to uh, you know, letting him off of the leash in, in one week uh, and then the next two weeks he's 
he's nowhere to be found. And I, I attributed that to growing pains from Kellen Moore, just him trying to figure out how to get all his weapons, how to get the ball to all of his weapons on a consistent basis. I think that now you bring in Mike McCarthy, who has that experience and who's integrating some West Coast um, tendencies into the offense as well. Now Moore has his growing pains under his belt. He himself has grown and, and for year two. So I think that when it comes to Pollard, as well as Zeke, you're going to see Zeke get more targets out of the backfield. You might see him moved out every once in a while to the slot receiver position to kind of mix things up. I think it's just going to be a ton of creativity that comes from this Cowboys offense. And I think you're going to see, uh, and I'm not afraid to say it, I think you're going to see a bigger year from Dak Prescott in 2020 than you saw in 2019. Also keeping in mind that, uh, to my estimation, had the Cowboys receiving group not led the league in drops consistently, uh, Dak Prescott could have been a 5,335 touchdown quarterback. Uh, to own, and he only had 11 interceptions, so let's account for that and just say 13 interceptions. So if you tell me that Dak Prescott in 2019 could have had potentially a 5,300-yard season with 35 touchdowns and only 13 interceptions with uh, an, an aging receiver at, with Rand, in Randall Cobb, but now you're replacing him with someone like CeeDee Lamb, you, you can't convince me that he can't hit those numbers, if not more, in, in 2020 as long as everything goes to plan, receivers are catching balls. Obviously, health is going to be paramount as well. But everything's lined up for the Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott. Now they just need to go ahead and uh, and pay the man. Definitely do need to pay the man, but that's a different conversation for a, a different day. Patrick, I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, always fun to mix it up with you. Uh, and I don't say this jokingly, brother for life, man. I appreciate you. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, we are uh, we go back a long way. And anything you need from me, just reach out, and I absolutely got you. It's always fun talking life with you, and it's always fun talking Cowboys with you. So I'm here when you want to do it. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Make sure you follow him, Voice of the Star. Check out his work at CBS. And uh, we'll talk soon, brother. Absolutely. Have a good one.